Welcome to Manna for Breakfast, the daily Bible reading devotional which chronologically takes you through the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation in one year. Grab a cup of coffee and your Bible and join us as we journey together through God's Word. Mm, check. Good morning. Now I'm on. <laughs> I had the wrong shirt on. It looked pretty funny. I was floating. I was a floating head in there. I had to change my shirt so you could see the rest of my body. Good morning. How are you guys doing? We are uh, pressing on in Job, making a lot of headway, actually, going much faster than last time we went through it. It is 67 degrees here in Puerto Vallarta. It's Oh, it just rose up to 69. It was 67 just a little while ago. just rose up to 69. Freezing cold, huh? Sorry for you guys that are dealing with some very serious stuff up north. And I know I remember well. I remember when I worked outside in it for many years. So I know what it's like. Anyway, we can get started this morning over in this day in trivia. And see what we have here. This is January 13th. Uh, what word becomes shorter by adding a syllable? What word becomes shorter by adding a syllable? <laughs> the word short. <laughs> Interesting. Good concept. Okay. Let's see. Bush versus Pretzel, January 13th, 202. 2002, George W. Bush passes out after choking on a pretzel watching a football game. Uh, yeah, I heard about that. That was, um, yeah, on this day, 2002, NFL player mortally wounded during the game. January 13, 1968, Bill Masterson is mortally injured when he strikes his head on the ice. He died two days later. He's the only National Hockey League player to die as a direct result of injuries suffered during the game. Used to play hockey. I've hit my head on the ice. It's not pretty. It's devastating. Hmm. First emergency use of an airplane ejection seat in 1942 by a German test pilot as his plane was about to crash. German test pilot Helmut Schnunk, <laughs> something like that was testing a prototype of a jet engine, of a jet fighter, and it was the first plane outfitted with ejection sheet. Ejection seat, and the ejection seat was powered by compressed air. So he iced up, lost control of the plane, he ejected, making him the first person to do so. And it was successful, and he survived the incident. Um, and let's see. No, it doesn't doesn't ever say um, how if he had injury, injuries or not. The Mickey Mouse comic strip came out on this day in 1930. After the success of the animated classic Steamboat Willie, a newspaper comic strip began. Space Flight Impossible. This one I like. I remember this one. In 1920, January 13. That a New York Times editorial mocks Robert Goddard stating that rockets will never fly in space and saying that he only seems to lack the knowledge ladled out daily in high school. Goddard's response was, every vision is a joke until the first man accomplishes it. Once realized, it becomes commonplace. They issued an apology in 1969 after the Apollo 11 flight to the moon. <laughs> One may say 
that they had to apologize. <laughs> Unfortunately, Goddard died in 1945. Well, that's interesting. Hmm. Lots of actually thing. Um, lot of. A lot of things going on, but we'll look over into the dad jokes today real quick. And then we'll get going. Let's see. What does a lemon say when it answers the phone? Yellow. Probably with a sour attitude. This graveyard looks overcrowded. People must be dying to get in. That is an old, old, old one, man. Uh, we need another one. What kind of car does an egg? What kind of car does an egg dive? Uh, Yolks wagon. <laughs> I don't know what an egg dive is. I guess. <laughs> I, I need another one. These are just really bad, even for me. Dad, can you put the cat out? I didn't know it was on fire. <laughs> now, my daughter sent me some new ones, and they're on video, and I gotta have to, I'm going to have to write them down because they're pretty good. They're pretty good. Uh, yeah, well, you guys have sent them to me on videos. I appreciate them, but then I have to remember them, or I have to remember to write them down before. And I'm not that organized. So we will now go into the Word this morning, if you guys can find your place. We're in Job, so let's pray. Father God, thank you for this morning and for bringing us together. Once again, we just open up our hearts to you and ask you to guide us and direct us as we look into your Word. In Jesus' name, amen. Job 11. Now Zophar, the Namathite, answered, Shall a multitude of words go unanswered, and a talking of man be acquitted? Shall your boast silence men? Shall you scoff and none rebuke? For you have said, my teaching is pure, and I am innocent in your eyes. But would that God might speak, and open his lips against you, and show you the secrets of wisdom? For sound wisdom has two sides. Know then that God forgets a part of your iniquity. Can you discover the depths of God? Can you discover the limits of the Almighty? Are they high as the heavens? What can you do? Deeper than Sheol? What can you know? Its measure is longer than the earth, broader than the sea. If he passes by or shuts up or calls an assembly, who can restrain him? For he knows false men, and he sees iniquity without investigating. An idiot will become intelligent when the fool of a wild donkey is born a man. And if you would direct your heart right and spread out your hand to him, if iniquity is in your hand, put it far away, and do not let wickedness dwell in your tents. Indeed, then, indeed, you could lift up your face without moral defect, and you would be steadfast and not fear, for you would forget your trouble, and waters that have passed by, you would remember it. Your life would be brighter than noonday. Darkness would be like the morning. Then you would trust, because there is hope, and you would look around and rest securely. You would lie down 
and none would disturb you, and many would entreat your favor. But the eyes of the wicked will fail, and there will be no escape for them, and their hope is to breathe their last. Chapter 12. Then Job responded, Truly, then you are the people, and with you wisdom will die. But I have intelligence as well as you, and I'm not inferior to you. And who does not know such things as these? I am a joke to my friends, the one who called on God and answered him. The just and blameless man is a joke, and he who is at ease holds calamity and contempt, and prepared for those whose feet slip. The tents of the destroyers prosper, and those who provoke God are secure, whom God brings into their power. But now ask the beasts, and let them teach you, and the birds of heaven, and let them tell you, or speak to the earth, and let it teach you, and let the fish of the sea declare to you, who among all these does not know that the hand of the Lord has done this, and whose hand is the life of every living thing? In whose hand is the life of every good thing? And the breath of all mankind, does not the ear test words and the palate taste its food? Wisdom is the aged man with long life is understanding. Verse 13. With him are wisdom and might. To him belong counsel and understanding. Behold, he tears down and it cannot be rebuilt. He imprisons a man and there can be no release. Behold, he restrains the waters and they dry up. He sends them out, and they inundate the earth. With him are strength and sound wisdom. The misled and the misleader belong to him. He makes counselors walk barefoot and makes fools of judges. He loosens the bonds of kings and binds their loins with a girdle. He makes priests walk barefoot and overthrows the secure ones. He deprives the trusted ones of speech and takes away the discernment of the elders. He pours contempt on nobles. He loosens the belt of the strong. He reveals mysteries from the darkness. He brings the deep darkness into light. He makes the nations great, then destroys them. He enlarges the nations, then leads them away. He deprives of intelligence, the chiefs of the earth's people, and makes them wander in a pathless waste. They grope in darkness with no light. He makes them stagger like a drunken man. Chapter 13. Behold, my eye has seen all this. My ear has heard and understood it. What you know, I also know. I am not inferior to you. But I would speak to the Almighty, and I desire to argue with God. But you smear with lies. You're all worthless physicians. Oh, that you would be completely silent, and that it would become your wisdom. Please hear my argument, and listen to my contentions of my lips. Will you speak what is unjust for God, and speak what is deceitful for Him? Will you show partiality for Him? Will you contend for God? Will it be well when he examines you? Or will you deceive him as one deceives a man? He will surely reprove you if you secretly show partiality. Will not his majesty terrify you and the dread of him fall on you? 
Your memorable sayings are proverbs of ashes. Your defenses are defenses of clay. Be silent before me so that I may speak. Then let come on me what may. Why should I take my flesh in my teeth and put my life in my hands? Though he slay me, I will hope in him. Nevertheless, I will argue my ways before him. This also will be my salvation. For a godless man may not come before his presence. Listen carefully to my speech and let my declaration fill your ears. Before now, I have prepared my case. I know that I will be vindicated. Who will contend with me? For then I would be silent and die. Only two things do not do to me. Then I will not hide from your face. Remove your hand from me, and let not the dread of you terrify me. Then call, and I will answer. Or let me speak, then reply to me. How many are my iniquities and sins? Make known to me my rebellion and my sin. Why do you hide your face and consider me an enemy? Will you cause a driven leaf to tremble? Or will you pursue a dry chaff? For you write bitter things against me and make me to inherit the iniquities of my youth. You put my feet in the stocks and watch all my paths and set a limit for the soles of my feet. While I am decaying like a rotten thing, like a garment that is moth-eaten. So Job's other friend, he's got these three friends that are trying to counsel him. But in a sense, they come off condemning him. They do acknowledge the, the the omniscience of God and the all the omnipotence of God that He's all powerful, and uh, they do acknowledge that He is real. Job also acknowledges and says, "But you have a misconception of God." He says, "Interesting." He says, "I will be vindicated." He even says the famous statement, "Though He slay me, yet I will trust Him." He he pleads with God. He's so confident. He looks at the world and he says everything around us speaks of the power and the majesty and the, and the creator God. All the animals, every the birds, everything. Ask them who's in charge. They know God's real. And he says, you guys are not understanding. I guess the the control God has over all things. And Job knows God has control over his life and God is allowing this to happen in his life. And he's saying, just two things I ask of you. Just Number one, if you could just remove your hand, all this stuff that's happening to me, just make it stop. And or answer me when I speak so that I know why this is happening. He's just asking. He's being real with God. He's bringing his complaint before the throne of God and not shaking his fist and saying, I curse you and I don't believe in you. He's just saying, why and he's he's hurting he's depressed and he's coming before god and revealing his heart and i believe god accepts that we are it is better not to question god and say come what may not my will lord but yours but jesus uh, asked god please if it's be your will take this from me and that is the better way to go 
you know that he is allowing something to happen that you don't like. So you ask him, God, I don't like this. I don't want it. But I know that you have a plan. If it be your will, please take it away from me. Be glorified in the taking away of it as much as you are in me going through it. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. So there is the biblical response to all this. Job's response is understandable and accepted, I believe, before God, because God does vindicate him and bless him in the end. God doesn't, God does reprove him. He's basically going to say, Job, you should not speak. You should more or less just trust. So he is going to get reproved as we see as we go on for this, maybe going too far in his complaining against God. So we do want to learn from that, but God does, does allow it. So be encouraged in that because many of us do that. We, we get frustrated and we ask God why and uh, just be careful in doing it. Never, never get to the point where you are um, dishonoring God because we live in a fallen world. So, so many of the, so much of the time we misinterpret it and we know it's not him. It's the world we live in. It's the enemy. It's the, it's just the way our bodies work now because of the world that we live in. And he came to actually override all that and bring us into new life and health and give us a perfect eternity. So yeah, keep all things in perspective on that. Matthew chapter 9 now. While he was saying these things to them, a synagogue official came and bowed down before him and said, My daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her and she will live. Jesus got up and began to follow him, and so did his disciples. And a woman who had been suffering from a hemorrhage for 12 years came up behind him and touched the fringe of his cloak, for she was saying to herself, If I only touch his garment, I will get well. But Jesus turning and saying to her daughter, take courage, your faith has made you well. At once the woman was made well. When Jesus came to the official's house and saw the flute players in the crowd and the noisy disorder, he said, leave for the girl has not died, but she is asleep. And they began laughing at him. But when the crowd had been sent out, he entered and took her by the hand and the girl got up. The news spread throughout the land and Jesus went on from there. Two blind men followed him, crying out, Have mercy on us, son of David. And he entered the house. The blind men came up to him and said, Jesus, then, and Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? They said to him, Yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes, saying, It shall be done to you according to your faith. And their eyes were opened. And Jesus sternly warned them, See that no one knows about this. But they went out and spread the news about him throughout the land. As they were going out, a mute demon-possessed man was brought to him. After the demon was cast out, the mute man spoke, and the crowds were amazed and were saying, nothing like this has ever been seen in Israel. But the Pharisees were saying, he casts out demons by the ruler of the demons. Jesus was going through all the cities and villages, teaching in the synagogues, 
and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. Seeing the people, he felt compassion on them because they were distressed and dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. And he said, And he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out workers to the harvest. Interesting, he's already teaching his his, um, disciples how to pray once he's gone. He doesn't say, ask me to send out more, for me to go find more workers. He, there's this sense that he's looking down the quarter of time and telling them, just be, be praying, asking God to send out the harvesters into the field to bring in those people. He has a heart, a compassion of, the, of a pastor for the lost sheep. That's why he's the good shepherd. And he sees the hurting of the humanity of people, and he heals and he touches, and he brings in new life. He brings clear vision to those who are blind. He brings good hearing to those who can't hear. And yet to the Pharisees, he does not do anything because they do not have the faith to believe. They believe just the opposite, that he is a demon or using working in the demonic realm. Therefore, he cannot heal them because the, <laughs> the heart is corrupt with, among the, the Pharisees. And so they cannot see the gift that he's bringing to them. And that is why it's so important that as we are Talking to our friends and talking to people about the Lord, we have to under, we have to see where they're at if they're caught up in demonic uh, activity and demonic um, philosophies and those these kinds of things. There is a sense at times where the demons have to be cast out for someone to come to a true knowledge of the Lord. The enemy's going to deceive, and um, if it's not from the demonic realm, it's from our own pride. Their own, our own pride can can be just as powerful to keep us from being able to see what Jesus is reaching out to extend to us, his mercy and his grace and his forgiveness. And of course, that's my whole testimony. It was brought up in the church, but ran out of it and says, I don't, I don't know anything to do with you. I can find my own way. Thank you. I'll make my own path to God through all of my various meditations and all my various um, New Age philosophies and what have you. Trying to make up your own religion that satisfies you so you can do what? (laughs) Have your cake and eat it too. You can find your your own spirituality while you're still enjoying the sins, your favorite sins that you want to maintain. Doesn't work. Charles Spurgeon now never cast out him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. John six thirty seven. Is there any instance of our Lord's casting out a coming one? If there be so, we would like to know of it. But there has been none, and there never will be. Among the lost souls in hell, there's not one that can say, I went to Jesus and he refused me. It is not possible that you or I should be the first to whom Jesus shall break his word. Let us not entertain so dark a suspicion. Suppose we go to Jesus now about the evils of today. Oh, this may be sure. 
he will not refuse us audience or cast us out. Those of us who have often been and those who have never gone before, let us go together and we shall see that he will not shut the door of his grace in the face of any one of us. This man receiveth sinners, but he repulses none. We come to him in weakness and sin, with trembling faith and small knowledge and slender hope, but he does not cast us out. We come by prayer, and that prayer broken, with confession, and that confession faulty, with praise, and that praise falls far short of his merits, and yet he receives us. We come diseased, polluted, worn out, and worthless, but he doth in no wise cast us out. Let us come again today to him who never casts us out. That's a beautiful encouragement and a wonderful thing to hold on to and know and to share with people that are struggling, people that are really at their their end. Those that don't know him are those that are religious, those that have been brought up in the church, but they don't really have a relationship with God uh, and don't think they could be worthy or they've done something that God cannot forgive them of. You could say he can forgive you of anything if you'll come before him. And just simply ask. You've got to go before him and ask. You have to be real. You have to be sincere. You have to believe that he is who he says he is. And he will in no wise, as it says here, cast you out. This is the great promise of the great Savior, the great shepherd who loves the sheep. So willing to leave the 99 and go look for, for the one lost sheep. And this is why we have the confidence we can talk to anybody and say, no, he'll accept you too. And some of us have had some people come in and share some pretty serious stuff, where by our standards we'd go, mm, I don't think I'd forgive you. And that's why we're not God, and why we're not, uh, we are not him, because he is, he has the power to transform lives. He's the gracious God. And all, we can, all I can say is thank you. Thank you, Father, that you're like that. Because if, if you can forgive me, you can forgive anyone. And there's always a new horizon there if we'll allow him to come in and wash us clean. So with that encouragement, let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning and we rejoice. Knowing that you can wash us clean and forgive us of any sin. And that no matter what's happened, that you're ready to listen to us. No matter what kind of trial we're going through. We know that you are there, that you strengthen us. You have an ability to give us an understanding often of why we're going through these things, a supernatural understanding because you care about us, that we're not going through things for no reason. So we do continue to ask that you would help us to understand why we're going through these things. And then just strengthen us, strengthen us. And help us to, to get strength from our brothers and sisters around us. And, you know, ask for prayer. So many people are going through some very difficult times now that need prayer. And there's a lot of scary things out there. So we want to put it before you and ask that you continue to, to work through us and strengthen us, guide us, direct us. I want to thank you for Roberto and Lulu, who I believe are healing. I haven't heard anything to the contrary. Uh, 
So they're still at home healing from the COVID. I ask you to continue to heal their bodies, strengthen their immune system greatly. Huge prayer for Kevin, whose knees, his lungs healed, God, that you would supernaturally touch him and heal him and help him to keep his mind steadfast on you and knowing that you are being glorified through this and that it is for a reason. We don't know what it is yet. God, he's in a Job situation, but may you be glorified through it as well through Juan Carlos with his cancer and his healing there. Maria Elena with what she's going through in her cancer. Um, and we want to pray for this little girl, four-year-old girl, who's the granddaughter of Victor Hugo, who's in a hospital in Mexico City with, I believe, COVID. Um, may you touch and heal her as she's got problems breathing. So just touch and heal that little girl. So thank you, God, for what you are doing, and thank you for the, the services and the people coming, the encouragement, the fellowship, just the, the way we can enjoy the time together in your word. So I ask you to bring in more people hungry for your word. You teach us and, and guide us and uh, just touch our lives. So thank you for these um, blessings that we have, God. And we do give you the rest of this day in Jesus' name. Amen. There we go. So let's see. We'll do Saturday Live and then um, pre-record for Sunday, I believe. And so look forward to seeing you guys there with us live tomorrow morning. And please remember to subscribe to Rumble if you can. You don't have to use it, but that just helps us build up our numbers on Rumble. And also the podcasts. If you can get um, people to look at the podcast, they're very convenient. And we want to use them as a ministry on a larger scale because many, many young people listen to podcasts. So we want to try and get that out. Uh, out in the public domain. So bless you guys. We will see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.